Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to the Spatch video for the web novel Out of Space, taken from the website Royal Road. And as always, I hope you enjoy the narration, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 337 Uprising Titania stormed out of her inner sanctum in a huff as her aides and bodyguards trailed after her. She found several of her men waiting for her at the courtyard in front of the citadel. What's the situation now? she asked of the group of anxious soldiers and cloaks who saluted her when she came up to them. Not good, my lady, a portly male replied. He was well dressed and looked like a merchant. The slaves and monsters have broken free from the pens and have murdered several guards and handlers. We think some of them inside let them loose. Slaves are also holding hostages, the manager said. They had broken out from three pens and were numbers close to three hundred, and several monsters were rampaging around the city streets now. And the city guards, Titania asked as they knew, waiting her carriage to arrive. What have they been doing? So far, the city guards have closed the area down to the slave quarter, the soldier replied. But other than that, they are not taking any actions. What? Titania glared at the soldier who bowed away from her anger. Who is in charge? No one, the soldier said. Captain Knight Judas was supposed to be in command, but some soldiers came and took him away and, um... Those old bastards sure act fast, Titania frowned. This must be a ploy from the start. Give the order out to suppress the rioting slaves, Titania said. Have the next senior officer take over the command and form up a monster hunting party to kill or capture the beasts. And give the bounty to the adventurous girl for them to help too. Yes, my lady. The soldier saluted and set off to carry out her orders. Titania turned to a female house guards and said, Find out where they have taken Knight Captain to and request all of the rest of the Knights of Silver to meet me at the slave pens. Titania looked back at the inner sanctum and cursed the two cunning old elves, knowing that the slaves escaping from the pens was their work. Let's go, Titania said as her carriage came. We need to stop the riots fast. Norsalm Trade District Slave Pens Quime gave a cheerful smile as he watched dozens of slaves armed with weapons taken from their previous guards. He had waited on the spot for a couple of days, just for the exact moment to happen just as the oracle by his mistress. The rioting slaves rushing another group of guards without fear and both sides clashing heavily. Other slaves took the opportunity to free the other slaves locked in the pens who were awaiting transportation to other markets. Quime giggled as he watched severed body parts and blood flew all over. He thought of how his mistress's words had come true and he removed the golden idol from his pocket and gently caressed the twin proud peaks of the figure. He took a small knife and pricked his fingertip, drawing a bead of blood out before carefully dripping it on the crimson drop on the idol's head. He hid the idol into a crevice on the wall of the building he was hiding in and used his blood to draw several symbols on the runes of the walls while he giggled and started chanting. All over the city, dozens of similar rituals were being performed. The sudden riots made it easy for the cultists to perform their rituals without interference from the city guards. At three locations around the city, dozens of cultists stood in circles and without the need for coordination, the cultists instinctively started large-scale rituals. Using their own blood, the arcane runes and complex spells were drawn. Once the spell was completed, the cultists disrobed and stood and braced each other naked and started to engage in acts with each other while screaming in ecstasy. Hail the mistress of desires, hail daughter of lust, all hail the queen of pleasure. Norsalm Rothschild Estate, Mill stood on the balcony and looked out at the distant city. He frowned as he noticed something strange over the skies. 
A dark, stormy clouds appeared to be gathering so rapidly that even the layman of magic himself could tell that some arcane powers were at work. Flashes of eye-searing lightning could be seen flickering amongst the storm clouds, and the clouds spun and rolled in the skies above the city, turning the area dark and gloomy. Mole stepped back, and the reddish-brown glow appeared and descend from the clouds and encircled the entire city. Holy freck! He flinched back as he closed his eyes, and the red glow seemed to slam over him. After a couple seconds, he opened one eye cautiously and peeked around, finding nothing out of the ordinary. What the hell was that? Mills whispered as he looked around his surroundings, seeing the strange, eerie grow appear to be held back by some of the estate. Tyria and some of the other marines suddenly appeared next to him as they ogled at the scene. What happened? Hell if I know, Mills replied. Some weird mojo crap is happening in the city. Everyone turned their attention outside. I think the Rothschild has some kind of magical ward protecting us from that, whatever it is. Just as this time, they saw several mounted cavalrys rushing into the gates from the heading straight towards the estate barracks, where confused soldiers were staring at the spectacle happening around them. Don't think that looks like a good sign, Mills commanded offhandedly. Better get the boys geared up. Terrier nodded in agreement. Get it. Also, see if you can contact Orwell Command. Mills nodded and turned to his men, yelling, Priority 1, full combat loads. The marines, hearing his order, ran back towards their temporary quarters, yelling, P1, P1. Those resting in the bunks were roused out by the yells and quickly donned their uniforms and laced up their boots, grabbing their weapons, armor, and gear. They ran out in an allocated rally and formed up into ranks. Mills joined the troops after a couple minutes later and did a quick inspection with the other senior NCOs. Lieutenant Trissom joined the men and quickly gave the rundown of the situation with the gathered troops. All right, men, we just received word that the whole bucket of crap had just spilled over the city. Seems like Lady Titania's political enemies had struck bad, Trissom announced. Yes, you shall know, the Rothschilds primarily deals with slaves. Her enemies had just retaliated by releasing those slaves out into the city, which is something akin to a slave revolt is happening now. We suspected they will use the guise of restoring order to the city and let in their own troops to crush the rioting slaves and at the same time do a coup and force Lady Titania down from her seat. Now, we might not like slavers, but High Command loves her, Trissom stated as matter-of-factly. So, for now, we will be in full combat standby mode. If needed, we'll use the MRAPs to extract her out. Sir, what about the clouds and red glow all over the city? Mills asked. Trissom turned to look at the skies and said, We have no intel on that yet, but it is clearly magical in nature. From what I can see, I suspected some kind of spell to obstruct the city defenders, making it hard for them to cooperate or even block their magic. Now we will coordinate with the house guards here, Trissom turned to Mills and Tyria, support them in defending the space, just in case. NCOs! Mills stepped up and yelled, You heard the man, double check the watch and wait for further orders. Sir! Mills called the Lieutenant Trism as he headed out towards the Rothschild's barracks. Can we get through the Orwell command? Trism nodded. I spoke with them earlier. They are sending in some air support. ETA, four hours. Four hours? Mills frowned as he eyed the reddish glow outside that had formed a dome around the grounds of the Rothschild estate. I don't like this. I know, Sergeant. Trism agreed with his human. I will try and get more information regarding our situation. As they were speaking, a commotion suddenly happened amongst the Rothschild soldiers. It appeared a fight had occurred amongst the soldiers. Mills and Trissom watched on in confusion as several soldiers being restrained by other soldiers. What is happening? Mills asked one of the soldiers there. 
We did not know either, the frantic-looking soldier replied. They were reporting about the situation in the city, and suddenly they started muttering something and started attacking people. Mills frowned at the scene, seeing five men we needed to hold down one crazed soldier who was laughing madly. Give in to the queen, the mistress of rewards, they yelled, while forming at the mouths, join us. Trissom's expression slowly changed as he watched the soldiers subduing the crazed elves. He suddenly grabbed Mills by the shoulder and said urgently, This looks like some cult has taken over their minds. Brainwashing? Mills asked in surprise. How do they do that? That is your answer. Trissom pointed to the reddish skies. Ah, frick. Tanya hissed in pain as she crawled out from the overturned carriage, supported by her personal guards. The first thing she noticed was the surrounding her gloomy and sharp pain in the side where she hit herself. She felt her necklace she was usually wore biting against her flesh, and she pulled it out of before her eyes. The charm turned into dust and crumbled away. A magic attack. Her guards rallied around her while some others checked the wreckage for survivors. What happened? Her guys pointed to the dark, reddish skies in answer, and she looked up and saw a slow, spinning vortex of dark clouds above her. What in the heavens of that? The mistress's rewards! The cries from the side caught her attention and she saw several townspeople charging towards us. Join us! Back off! Her guards drew their swords and brandished them before the gathering crowd. Back! What? Titania looked in confusion before turning around in shock as her coachman wrestled against the guard providing first aid. The mistress rewards! The elderly coachman who'd served the Rothschilds for all his life suddenly slammed a small knife at an unprotected throat to the guard. The guard fell back, gurgling and clutching his ruined throat, blood flowing everywhere as he thrashed wildly. The other guards, with their attention diverted away with the sudden death of one of their own, gave the crowd a chance to close in. The mistress rewards! Tanya drew a sword from the fallen guard and ran a blade through the coachman, who watched her grow up with tears in her eyes as she tried to stab her with a knife. There has been a control by some spell, Titania yelled. She hacked down one matronly looking woman who gave a warm smile at her before she died. Give in to the queen. Retreat to the citadel, Titania ordered as she saw more and more people appear and the guards were getting outrun. Run! Titania put her words into action as she ran as fast as she could in her long silks. She cursed as she wished that she had worn trousers and armor instead of a clumsy dress. Her remaining guards acted as rear guard, fending off the crude attacks of the townspeople. As Titania neared the citadel, she noticed the people seemed to have gone crazy. Yet there were some still sane, but they were getting dragged down and ripped body threads by the crazed mob. The citadel guards, seeing the strange happenings, had barred the gates and bowmen mining the walls. Titania nearly had an arrow shot through her eyes and nervous archer released an arrow as she approached. Open the gates, she yelled, ignoring the arrow. The small side gate cracked open as the guards recognized the lady and quickly entered the remainder of the guards. Open up! End of chapter. Chapter 338. Working Together. Shepard 6-4 to advance party coming over. Flight Lieutenant Peters spoke over the roar of the helo engines. He could see the storm clouds gathering over the city and was coming up rapidly. Advance party Shepard 6 send. Shepard flight en route for your position five mics over, Peter replied as he checked the flight instruments. Roger, 6-4, we laid out the tables and are waiting for you to join the party. Affirmative, Peter replied with a laugh. Shepard, 6-4, out. Five minutes, Peter yelled to his crew chief, the goblin Greg who had followed Peter as he got assigned to flight the CH-1 Griffin. 
Greg nodded and easily climbed up and stacked supplies secured in the middle of the hold. He used the cargo netting as footholds, and he stood on top of the stack, with one hand braced against the vibrating metal roof. Dumb Marnies! Five mics touchdown! Get ready, dumb Marnies! Greg shrieked as the two rows of marines stepped into bucket seats and stepped up to the cargo hold. All right, you heard the green kiddo, the marine sergeant yelled. Check your gear, no one is to load any live ammunition. If you blow a hole in this bird, I will dump your rear out of this bird without a shoot. Is that clear? Yes, sergeant, the troops chorused as they double-checked their equipment. Me not, kiddo, Greg cursed loudly. Me, Greg the Great. Two minutes, you dumb marnies. The medium-lift helo panned as it bled off speed, swooping in low as forested land and came to a hover over a flat field where dozens of animals fled in terror from the noisy flying monster. Peter expertly aligned his helo's rear wheels to hit the ground with barely a bump before gently setting down in forward wheels. Beside him, on both sides, another two CH-1s came and landed. Their combined downdraft from their power-down rotors washed away the red smoke of the signal. A dozen marines and fatigues came running over while the pilots ran their shutdown procedures. The rear ramps of the heroes popped out and marines exited from the transports. Lieutenant Swar, 1st Battalion, Bronco Company, 4th Platoon. A beefy Orkin introduced himself to a Lieutenant Trism, Sergeant Mills, and Tyria. I've got orders to support your men here. The second wave is en route by water and they will be here in roughly another day or more. Mills whispered softly to Tyria after seeing the muscular orc looming head over him. Damn, didn't know orcs had the brains to be an officer. Hell, he even speaks like a gentleman. Tyria gave a grin back and shook his head, deciding not to reply to Mills's jib. Both NCOs saluted the orc lieutenant who gestured over to his own NCOs and introduced. So what is the situation now, Svar? asked when they entered the mansion. Not good, Trism said. We got fires raging all over the city, a large number of escaped slaves rioting and fighting, while there is reports of several monstrous creatures looming in the streets of the eastern side of the city. What kind of creatures? asked Swar. Um, a copper boa, some kind of giant dragon lizard, and a couple owlbears, Trism replied. Trism led in new arrivals into the library turned ops room. He gestured to a hand-drawn map on the chalkboard set up on the side of the room with several photographs taken from the ground stuck on it. That's the citadel which is right in the middle of the city where our main objective is. To get it in from here, you would have to enter the outer city gates, cross one merchant and one residential district before reaching the inner city gates. Trissom briefed the men, after which you need to cross another residential area and one more commercial area before coming to the citadel gates. The last reports we had coming from the city is that everyone had turned crazy, Trissom said. Robberies, murders, assaults, all kinds of atrocities are being carried out in everywhere in the city. Had the cause of this madness been found? Swar asked as he rubbed his square jaw. No, but we suspect that there is a third party in play here, rather than our objective political enemies doing this, Trissom said. Some kind of cult, probably. There was a red glow over the city moments before people who were exposed to it um, turned crazy. Svar gave Trism a look before he turned and looked at everyone else. And you all were not effective. No, there is some kind of ward in this estate that protected us all, Trism said. We also confirmed most of the houses have their own magical protection, and any important locations in the city are similarly warded. And the red glow has subsided two hours ago. This means that people in the citadel are safe, Svar asked. Yes, Trism nodded. Our objective, Lady Titania's lowest known position, is in the citadel which we know is under siege. So, it's a rescue mission, Swar asked to confirm. Yes, 
We, Chisholm nodded. We are planning to enter the city by armored vehicles, but since we do not have any real time when intel on the city, we were waiting for the, um, helos that brought you here. So far, the unaffected Imperial Army has tried to push to the city to retake it. Trissom tapped his finger in the south gate of the map and traced a route. They were forced to stop here. His finger stopped at the crudely drawn rectangle. This building is the local church of healing. They are forming a strong point here. They are encountering strong resistance from the crazed people, who still retain enough intelligence to use weapons and some even know how to cast spells, Trissom said. The Imperial commanders have decided to hold their position there and force the crazed people to attack and break themselves against the fortified position. He has sent the rest of his troops to block off all exits, and likely the city's towers and bastions were all warded, though he's making sure to retake the link up with those troops who are holding out in the defensive structures, Trissom nodded. His goal is to prevent any other crazed people to break out into the city now, in case it spreads to the countryside. High Command has given their orders, Trissom said. We are to move in, save members of the Governing Council. Our own priority is saving Lady Titania. We plan to do this in two steps, Trissom said. First, we airdrop a platoon of marines to secure and protect our target at the Citadel. The second step, another platoon goes in with an armored convoy with support from the local forces. Trissom tapped on the map. The convoy will push all the way into the Citadel and extract our people out. The helos will provide aerial recon and support in the air while the operation is in progress, Trissom added. Plan sounds good? Peter asks from the pilots in point of view. Any enemy dragons or anti-air threat? We saw several of the dragons flying off, Trissom said. Other than that, there aren't any more sightings. The Imperials have been warned that we will be flying in the AO, and the commanders have guaranteed that they will not attack us. Can we trust the words of the blue boys? Peter remarked. How can we be sure that they won't take a crack at us when we are flying over? That's something we have to risk, Tristan replied. Besides, they have bigger problems to worry about than us flying overhead with the number of crazy people in the city. Do the dragons go crazy too? Peter asked, clearly unsatisfied with the reply. I don't want my heroes to get attacked by dragons. It's another risk we need to take, Tristan said. As for fuel, you guys brought plenty. Norsham, Citadel, in a sanctum. Titania watched nervous council members yell and shout at each other as one faction blamed the other for the events happening outside the citadel walls. My lords! A breathless messenger hobbled into the inner sanctum. My lady! Instantly, all conversation ceased as he turned their attention to the messenger. The scouts are back, but uh, we lost over 80 men. What happened? Titania raised a hand to silence the rest of the council. What is going on in the city? The people, they, they seem to be possessed or, or gone mad! The messenger replied. They, they, they swarmed our troops as we exited the gates. Children, woman, holy, the messenger spoke in a voice full of dread. We, we cut them down as they rushed us, but, but they used their bare hands to tear those caught into... Enough, Titania quickly said as the members of the council started to panic from the news. Go find a healer and get some rest. She turned her attention, observed Lord Taran and Devlin, and found them both quiet and settled. Lord Taran and Devlin, she called out for a moment of hesitation. A private word with the both of you. Both lords looked at each other and they followed Titania to the side, out of hearing from the rest of the council. I know the escaped slaves were you both doing, she directly asked the question, beating around the bush. But is turning the city crazy part of your scheme? No, Lord Taran replied. No matter how we want to turn the city into that, we are merchants. What good does a city have if it is in chaos? Titania nodded. 
I will overlook what schemes and ploys you both side before, but now we have another player here, which is unknown to us. This player has turned the city mad, Tintania said. We are lucky because the citadel is warded, and I and my guards also were protected by magical amulets. That is why we're still sane. We are the only ones here still sane, while the rest are probably the whole city of crazy people beyond the walls, Titania said. So I say we put down our differences for now and work together to survive this deal. Both Lord Taran and Lord Devlin nodded. We too thought of this and did not expect you to raise this up. Um, why don't you marry my son? Lord Taran gave a sincere smile. Once married, we are all one family. Our feud would be over, and with our outstanding capabilities and our support, we will grow bigger and stronger. Now, old friend, how could you snatch her away? Lord Devlin snapped. My son is the better choice. Titania shook her head inwardly. She was amazed at how shameless these two men were. One moment they were plotting to kill her, and suddenly they were trying to get her to marry their sons. We will talk about that later, once we have settled this, um, problem. She gestured around her. Also, I want you to release Knight Captain Judas, if possible. Lord Terran turned to gesture one of the aides over and spoke a few words to him. Done. Your Knight Captain is being inhaled in the Citadel's dungeons, so he shouldn't have gone mad. Good. We'll need all the fighting power. Titania sighed in relief. How about your troops? They, uh, they shouldn't be affected. Lord Devlin threw a look at Lord Terran, who gave a slight shake of his head. Lord Devlin understood that Terran did not want Titania to know about their strength. Hmm... Titania ignored the biplane said, Other than the Citadel, there should be other places which were protected by warded with magic. Most of the guilds are protected in temples and places of worship too, even the central barracks and city guard barracks, Lord Tarrant said, and all the great houses and some of the minor houses should have magic wards too. If that's the case, Titania said, less than a fifth of the city is protected. Lord Devlin sucked in a deep breath. This means that over 80,000 people are affected at least. End of chapter. Chapter 339. Depravity and Destruction. Quime stood on the roof of the store that overlooked the city's main square where various guilds are headquartered. He smiled as he watched the pitiful few combined guards with guilds attempt to defend off wave after wave of crazed townspeople while dozens of other believers stood awaiting his command behind him. How mistress has granted our desires! Quaim spoke with a fervent at the followers. She gave us a chance to be rich and powerful, so let us not waste it. Quaim pointed at the girls before them. Those girls are filled to the brim with gold and silver, and it shall be ours for the taking. The mistress rewards. Quaim gave a smile, searing the feeding of power he was watching as the followers gather in magic power in their hands his hair tingling at the presence of magic in the air. He remembered how the girls had taken everything away from him, house, wealth, and even his family. His eyes turned red of hatred and fled in his heart. Oh, they will pay, and he will regain everything that he lost. He raised his hand up, signaling his followers to be ready. Bolts of lightning, fireballs, and magic missiles shot out as Quime chopped his hand down and an impressive display of deadly fireworks slammed into the headquarters of the Adventurers Guild. Three-storied building that looked like a miniature square castle shook from the sudden onslaught of spells. Its magical ward protecting the building managed to hold against the attacking spells, and the Adventurers hiding inside, the building poured out through the roof and returned spellfire and arrows to Quime's followers. 
The exchange of magic seemed to rile up the surrounding crazed people. They charged towards the adventurous guild, howling and screaming, ignoring Quime's followers as they surged towards the guild, slamming their fists against the stone and wood facade. Join us! The adventurers' actions grew more frantic and sudden swarm of craze threatened to destroy their makeshift barricades. The spells and arrows that targeted Quime and his followers lessened and the adventurers targeted the crazed people, threatening to destroy the barricades. The other guild, seeing this attack, hesitated on whether to help the adventurous guild, leading Quime to laugh at their selfish actions. This is typical of the guilds, only caring for their own selfish gains. But fair fret not, Quime's voice was drowned out from the spells and screams as crazed yet he still shouted out. The traders' guilds, the magicians' guilds, and even the mercenary guilds shall all follow the adventurous' guilds' fate soon. With a collective triumphant scream, the crowd of craze cried out, The mistress rewards! As the barricaded door caved in and the crowd surged into the structure, slamming against the thin line of shields, blood spilled and followed out of the doors of the adventurers' guild, the crazed people threw themselves against the cold steel, abandoning themselves in their anger, desires, and their deepest and darkest thoughts. The pretty receptionist cowling behind the desk was dragged out, while others vented their bloodlust and ready, cold, mutilated bodies of the adventurers. The higher-ranked adventurers managed to hold out longer, retreating up the stairs before they were forced onto the roof, defending the only way up. Quime smiled as the gestures of his hands. His crazed crowd seemed to pull back from the stairs, leaving the survivors with some hope in their hearts. Soon sounds of the breaking could be heard, and the smoke soon billowed out from the second story of the guild building. The crazed crowd retreated out from the building and threw torches into the guild. They left and stood in silence, watching the building burn. The survivors on the roof screamed in panic as they tried to find a way to escape, but with the flames licking the only way down on the roof, they could not do anything. Quime giggled as he saw the roof slowly collapse under the weight of the survivors as the roof supports weakened from the flames, dropped the screaming adventurers into the flames. Those that died early and quickly were the lucky ones as the stone structure turned into a massive oven. The trapped adventurers with fire resistance or magic water were slowly baked and cooked inside. Those that managed to find their way out were mercilessly shoved back screaming into the burning building till no one came out anymore. The other girls watched in horror as the crazed crowd turned their heads collectively and smiled as one at the merchant guilds. Quime pointed at the next guild and whispered, Kill them. Flames from the burning city lit up the nights and crowds of crazed people roamed the streets, engaging in acts of depravity and destruction. The smell of ash and cooked meat was thick in the streets, causing the imperial soldiers trying to reclaim the city to choke and tear. Some of the soldiers even went crazy as their willpower was overwhelmed by the constantly cries and screams of the crazed. They laughed as they slaughtered their own once comrades, causing Imperials' morale to fall greatly. Unable to withstand the horrors of pillaging the army, the Imperial commander ordered no more advances into the city and could only wait for reinforcements to come from other places. Rothschild Estate Action 3 and 4 will fast rope down here, Lieutenant Spar briefed his men. You will support the local Imperial garrison in holding the Citadel and ensure the safety of Lady Titania while waiting for the armored convoy to arrive. Lieutenant, one of the marines asked, why can't we airlift her out? Intel has found out that there are some elements of cultists in the city that possess high levels of magic, 
Swa replied, and with that crazy storm floating over the city, the heroes could not fly a safe height, so the heroes have to go in low and make an easy target. Therefore, we can't extract her ladyship out by air. We'll go in and with a fast insertion, Swa continued, once the helos are over the city, all crazies will know you are there, so it is a safer option to move the HPTs out with armored convoy instead by air. Swa said, the helos will provide close air support to the convoy out. Questions? Swa asked as platoon. Sir? Another marine raised his hand. Um, uh, are those crazies, uh, civilians? Yes, Swa said. Can we kill civilians? The marine asked. In this case, Swa replied, Yes, we will be in hostile territory and those crazies will kill you without a second thought. Make sure to protect yourselves and your buddies. Another heavy reminder, Swa barked to his platoon, I want no one to remove their helmets unnecessarily. Your helmets have ward ruins engraved on them, Swa reminded his men. It'll give you some protection against magic that affects your mind, so do not remove them unless there is a very good reason. Clear? Yes, sir, the men chorused. Good. If I see anyone removing their helmets without a good reason, I'll make you have no head to ever put a helmet back on. Swa growled, going off his sharp, orcish teeth. Draw double the ammunition and water, Swa ordered. We're going to need them. Mull stood next to the magic-resistant ambush protection vehicle and eyed the orc lieutenant briefing his men in the distance. Damn, ever thought to see a smart orc? Orc in always smart. Lance Corporal Slow gave a toothy grin as he opened the Top Gunner protection turret. Orkin outsmart dumb people all the time. Yeah, right. Mills rolled his eyes. I still remember someone who couldn't even count to three. Slow laughed. Recruits are dumb worms, yes. Me no longer recruit. Me smart marine now. <laughs> Mills laughed and banged against the armored hatch. Yeah, yeah. Get ready to move out. Sergeant Mills. The York Lieutenant walked over and gestured for Mills. Yes, sir. Mills put on a polite expression as his face as he came up to the towering orc officer. Are your men ready? Swar asked in a serious tone. Yes, sir. Mills gestured to four armored vehicles and two trucks were idling on the dirt road where the Rothschild's house guards ogled at them from all angles. Two of them are wrapped, two jeeps and two trucks with Claymore 1 and my raiders are all good to go. Good. Swar nodded. See you later then. Don't be late. Yes, sir. Moles replied as he watched the orc walk away towards the helos that were spooling up with the twin rotors. Good luck. All right, boys, mount up. Moles turned to his men and ordered, move out. Both his men and Claymore One mounted into the vehicles, with him and Tyria taking a jeep. Twenty-two men, including the drivers, were escorting the six-vehicle convoy while a platoon of thirty marines took to the skies in one of the helos. The CH-1 Griffins took off and followed the land convoy, where two of the jeeps led the way while the other two armored trucks stood in the middle while the MRAP took the last support. Along the sides of the convoy rode two columns of Rothschild's houseguards on land dragons. They clawed feet, racing madly to keep pace with the already slowed speed of the convoy. The Rothschild's estate was located within the Nobles District, within the main city walls where a vast, carefully maintained forested area separated the noble district from the rest of the city. Soon, the outer gates of the city appeared, which they had to cross before reaching the inner city gates before reaching the citadel. Over the city, an ominous cloud continued to unnaturally loom over the city, like an executioner axe while plumes of thick black smoke hovered over the horizons. Fires that still burned cast an orange glow against the dark clouds, making the men feel like they were heading into an inferno. 
Shepard 62, this is 64, Flight Lieutenant Peter called out. Keep low, stay at 200, those magic clouds will make your day bad if you hit them. Roger that, 64, keeping to within 200, out. Peter glanced over the city and he could see the masses of people looking at him and seemingly following his shadow of the helo flew overhead. Damn, this is like some kind of zombie movie, he said to the co-pilot who stared worried over the city. Two minutes, Peter called out as he looked at the hand-drawn map. Using the city's landbox, he memorized the photographs to find his way to the citadel. He could see the distinctive features of the citadel coming up rapidly on his windscreen. He ignored the pings of arrows hitting the underbelly of the flying banana as he came to hover over a small park next to the citadel and kept his rear facing away from the walls. He smiled at the fearful and surprised expressions of the archers on the walls and even gave a cheerful wave to them, which he did not know if they could even see him. Oh my god, machine, you dumb marnies! Greg shrieked as he slammed the rear hatch open and kicked the coils of rope out with the open hatch. Go, go, go! First marines gripped the rope and jumped off. His feet coiling around the rope to control the descent while he flicked his gloves and middle finger at Greg, who pouted for not having the last say. It barely took 20 seconds to have all the marines fast rope off and Greg squeaked into the intercoms. No more dumb marnies on board, boss. Peter smiled at Greg's comments and eased the throttle up, bringing the flying banana out of the zone and allowing Shepard 6-2 to take its spot. The other hero came in the same way and disgorged a cargo of marines. Shepard 6-4, command, Operation Gothic Savior has commenced. End of chapter Chapter 340, Operation Gothic Savior Norsalm, Citadel, Outer Sanctum Titania wearily dropped her borrowed bow down at the side of the cot and closed her eyes when she laid down. Almost immediately, she was woken up by the endless roar of something unnatural that grew louder and louder. She pushed her tired body up and followed the crowd of soldiers as their heads seemed to track something in the skies. She had fought all night on the walls, firing arrow after arrow at the never-ending crowd that beat their fists futilely against the stone walls and iron-bounded gates. She lost count of how many arrows she shot into the crowd, only knowing that her fingers were bleeding and her arm muscles were badly strained. Finally, when the morning sun came up, the crowd of crazed folk had retreated back. She thought that she could finally have some rest. The loud noise roaring grew louder and louder, and seemingly two dark green objects appeared out of the gloomy skies. The defenders cried out in fear and panic as one of the huge wedge-shaped objects roared over the walls, prompting some of the archers to let loose their bows at the flying monster. It took Titania a moment for her tired brain to process the flying monsters at some kind of machine belonging to the United Nations. For four, she quickly yelled for the men to stop attacking the machines. Even tired as she was, she was still very impressed as the two rows of soldiers neatly dropped out of the rapid speed from the noisy flying machines with what's blowing sand and leaves everywhere. The burst machines, after dropped off a dozen or so soldiers, turned and let the other waiting machine take its turn. By this time, the noise had appeared by these two flying monsters had retracted the attention of the council members, and they all stared slack-jawed at the scene. Even the two old patriarchs were dumbstruck with the strange flying monsters that carried troops in their bennies. Lady Titania! An orkin strolled up to Titania and gave her a short bow. I am 2nd Lieutenant Svar from Red Eyes, United Nation Marines, 1st Battalion, Bronco Company, Platoon's 4th Commander. I am dispatched here to ensure your safety and the other members of the ruling council. 
Swar spoke to the group of wide-eyed owls looked at him like he was some kind of alien. We have a convoy on its way to take you and the council members to a safety later on. Do you have any questions, ma'am? Swar asked politely. Titania instinctively took a step backwards from the bulky orkin. Um, uh, um, welcome, Lieutenant Swar. You, you what? We are here to protect you and escort you to safety once the support arrives. Swar patiently replied. Now I'll assign the section to be your security detail. They'll be in charge of keeping you safe. Wait, Titania grabbed Swar's arm. What is going on here? I got orders from higher up, Swar said simply. I, um, I understand. Titania realized that the United Nations did live up to their promise to keep her safe. I need to talk to the commander in charge here, Swar said, so do I better understand the ground situation. Talk tonight, Captain Judas, Titania said. He should be at the main gatehouse. Swar nodded and turned to his men who were showing off to the Imperials. All right, enough dick beating. One, two, and three on me. Four, stick with the ladyship. Hurrah! Shepard 64, this is Raider Actual. Bills keyed the comms as he leaned forward and tried to spot the helo in the stormy skies. How copy? Raider Actual, convoy has just entered the city. Looks like the Blue Boys are giving us quite a warm welcome over. Bills gave a wave of the Imperial officer who stared back at them without any expression. Six, four, roger. See you at the supply. Wells turned his attention back to the road, seeing the sides of the streets lined with bodies of dead. He shook his head at the scene and started to relay the helo's directions to the driver. Go straight and take the next turn left. The flight lieutenant Peter eased the throttle back and placed the CH-1 at a slow pace, circling around the city while his co-pilot kept an eye on the screens before him. Underneath the CA-1, Griffin was a camera normally mounted on the Dragons for aerial reconnaissance purposes. His co-pilot carefully watched the route which their ground convoy was using to make their way deeper into the city. Six four convoy, you have inbound crazies in the next street. Over. Dre, six four. Damn, the radio signal is bad. The co-pilot grumbled. That storm is screwing up with the signals. Yeah, I know, replied Peter. I'm taking her down to increase the boys on the ground's need for some support. Got it. All right, kids at the back. Peter switched comms to the cargo hold. Hold on tight, I'm bringing the boat down to support the convoy. Watch your zones. Greg, always ready to save the Damanis. Greg giggled as he sat on the rear deck with the MG-1 he's mounted facing out in the opened rear hatch. The other two marines snorted at Greg's words as they each manned the door guns on the side of the griffin. The griffin roared over the rooftops of the city, drawing stares from the crazed townspeople, with the convoy rumbling across the deserted streets, littering with dead bodies. Peter kept the helo on a low hover, keeping his eye on his instruments, making sure not to hit any roofs while the gunners and his co-pilot kept an eye on the surroundings. There, three o'clock, the right gunner yelled as he saw a flood of bodies running directly towards the convoy two streets away. Do I engage? Frick me, it occurred as he saw the number of bodies racing across the street now like they were running for the Olympics. Command, this is Shepard 64, we got a crapload of bodies heading towards the convoy. Do we engage over? Command, engage. What in the hell did they say? His co-pilot asked in confusion. Frick, Peter cursed again. 6-4, command, repeat last, repeat last. They're coming in over. The gunner's panicked yells came across the comms. Hurry up. H, comma. What, Frick it, Peter yelled before switching the channel. Engage. 
The Marines had already sighted the MG1s. He flicked the safety with his thumb and held the trigger down, spraying streets of red traces and down the rushing crowd. His high-powered rounds bored through the crowd like a tearing wet paper, and bodies piled up wherever the traces went. Breakfast is served! The Marines' door gunner gleefully yelled as he hosed down the crowd. Whoa! More crazies, Greg yelled from the rear, coming from the bum-bum. After Greg cried out, he joyfully squeezed the trigger of his MG and whooped with joy as he watched his tracers slamming into the crowd, coming from another street. Whee! The god machine pee-pee at ya! <laughs> Wells jerked his head as he saw the guns of the hovering griffin burst out in flames. Crap, there must be a ton of them! All gunners, stay sharp, we should get contact soon. Mills warned over the radio just as the MRAP reported contacts. Frick, my mouth. The drivers jammed the brakes and suddenly the street before filled with people, all of them staring at Mills and his men like they were sheep to be slaughtered. Sarge, what do we do now? The driver asked nervously. He was a veteran and had never seen anything like this before, which was full of unnaturalness. Sarge. Mills licked his suddenly dry lips and wondered what he should do after people before him were unarmed civilians despite being mind-controlled. Suddenly, something slammed against the side of his jeep, making him jump, and he saw a person next to his side window. A middle-aged male dressed in a typical work clothing smiled and slammed his head against the armored glass, making Mills and the rest of the jeep jump in surprise. The smiling worker hammered his fist repeatedly and slammed his head against the window till the bloody marks were painted on it. Another person suddenly appeared and hammered against the jeep from another side, with the radio started reporting similar incidents occurring happening on the convoy. Mills watched in horror as the worker brained himself against the ultra-tough glass, while he still smiled before the man died, he mouthed, Join us! Frickit! Mills yelled as he jerked back on the scene of leaking brains. Weapon spree! Driver, get us the hell out of here! The gunners on the turrets quickly responded with the 50 cal mounted heavy machine guns roared, the large caliber rounds blowing away the agitated crowd. Mills slapped the driver's shoulder, urging him to drive faster as more and more bodies attempted to pile up on the armored jeep. The convoy roared away, running and rolling over anyone before them as soon as they came to a relatively quiet street. Stop the convoy, Mills ordered. Unload and secure the perimeter. The vehicle stopped and the men filed out setting up a perimeter around the convoy. Check the vehicles for any damages and any bodies still clinging onto them. The men did a quick check around a couple still alive, clinging underneath the MRAPs. They were quickly dispatched and dragged to the side. Tyria came up to Mills and said, What in the hell was that all about? What do you mean? Mills asked. You froze, didn't you? Tyria asked while gesturing to the helo in the sky. We should have fired that start, just like what they're doing up there. They're civilians, Mills said angrily. Even if they're mind-controlled or brainwashed, they're still civilians. Deria shook his head at Mills' statement. You humans create mighty weapons, yet you have no guts to use them. Deria, Mills shook his head. You and I grew up differently. We have different cultures and we were taught differently. Not to mention, we were fighting a war with an alien race for our survival. So excuse me for not wanting to kill normal folk. Deria pondered for a moment before he gave in. Sorry, I get it now. But still, don't forget the lives of your men here. We are not fighting against those aliens now, but a vile magic. Mills nodded. Got it. It won't happen again. Contacts, someone yelled out as the 50 caliber machine guns opened fire. The heavy boom, boom, boom roar echoing painfully loud in the streets. 
All right, mount up, Moles yelled. Let's get back on track. The men quickly loaded onto the vehicles, and they continued on their way again. Shepard six Walters' convoy, we have detoured an original route, requesting directions back to original route. Over. Six-four con- and by Six-four convoy, enduring strict and um Go, Moles ordered the driver. Keep moving. Don't stop. The convoy started up while scores of towns were converging towards their location. Stones were thrown from the buildings along the streets as the convoy raced through them. The gunners, manning the fifty cows, fired at the windows and the stones straight down, the large caliber rounds blowing holes in the walls and sending the masonry down. Where the frick are we? Moles cursed as he tried to make the sense of the map that he had while trying to understand and hear what Shepard Six War was trying them. Come on, this is a real frick up. Sarge, I think we're back in the same place. The driver called out as he gestured to the building where the side walls were peppered with large caliber gunfire. We're lost. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the channel. There are numerous links down below. The easiest way would be to share this video and this channel to as many people as possible to help this channel grow. Your support is very much appreciated. And I will see you all in the next video. Cheers.